Alright everyone, welcome back. This is Bald, Bold, and Gold, Episode 9. I'll be honest with you, this is the biggest one of the year. Notre Dame has its biggest home game in 15 years, if not longer. Certainly the biggest of the Brian Kelly area. Either way, I know what you're thinking. Dono, why the fuck did you forget to do an intro last week? Well... I'll tell you something. Sometimes when you're so caught up in the moment, having a good time, you forget that certain things aren't there. Like a bald spot or something like that. Certainly not speaking from experience, but we support everyone who is going bald on this podcast. Nonetheless, we're back. I'll be joined by Ian and Tom once again. We have a great episode basically talking about Mostly Clemson. We do touch a little bit on uh, games around the country. A little bit about the Georgia Tech win, but let's be honest, even Brian Kelly said it. We're looking forward to this Saturday. So, all right. This is the best show we've done. Hope you guys enjoy it. Go Irish. So, we all know what's coming this week. It's the biggest week of the year for Notre Dame fans. Biggest regular season game in at least 15 years, if not longer. But, before we get to the Fighting Irish's matchup this week against the Clemson Tigers, as always, let's talk about the games that happened elsewhere around the country. My first opinion, there was no great matchups this week. It's kind of been that way for a few weeks now, honestly. But, I thought... A lot of things fell the Irish's way this week, especially Oklahoma State losing, Penn State losing once again. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that it's going to be difficult for either of those two conferences um, to make a solid case to get two teams in if they get a team. If 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 you know for the Pac-12 to get, excuse me, for the Pac, for the Big 12 to get a team in, or for the Big Ten to get two teams in, I think it's going to be. Very difficult, especially after this weekend. Oklahoma State losing to Texas was big, and Penn State math- almost mathematically eliminated themselves from Big Ten contention. Is huge. Uh, I'm not scared of anybody in the West um, in big in the Big Ten, um, especially with Wisconsin. Especially if they pl- don't play um, as many games as everybody else. Uh, Ohio State's that good. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win the whole thing and, and do it, win the whole Big Ten and, and do it with ease. Um, but it's. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad. I think those guys, those games do those two games did fall in their names way in a big way. I was, um, fellas, I was duped. I was duped <laughs> by our uh, good friend John Harbaugh, or sorry, Jim Harbaugh, because uh, 
once again, I was tricked into thinking that Michigan might be competent. Um, and once again, I was pleased to find that they are not competent. Slevin, you might have a little bit of Rocky, Rocky Lombardi hype coming our way, but uh, they lost. That was sick. 24.5 point favorites. They lost at home to Michigan State. Michigan State team that lost to Rutgers. Um, I think we were pretty tough on Michigan State initially. I don't care. Michigan lost. I was duped not only by Jim Harbaugh, but by the fraud P.J. Fleck as well because Minnesota going down was just as fun as well for me. Uh, I, I was also duped by P.J. Fleck, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I am now off the sweater vest that with the uh, the quarter zip and tie train. Uh, but I do have a few things to say about that Michigan State-Michigan game. Um, Rocky Lombardi takes the trophy, the Paul Bunyan trophy, back to East Lansing where it belongs. Ghost Barty. Uh, fun, interesting stat that I believe I shared with both of you uh, in, in one way or another. Uh, Mich- Michigan is 1-6 and six in their last seven coming into this weekend on Halloween and make it one and one and seven in their last eight. Um, I think also just on principle, I think that that spread is just too big for uh, in-state rivalry like that. Um, for the same reason that I don't think that Auburn's very good, I would be. I think you'd be. I think you'd be mistaken to have that spread with Alabama be any bigger than like 17 i thought that number was just way too big and it was it was it was actually just wrong that because michigan state proved that they uh that, that michigan had some serious flaws especially in some coverage down the field uh, i was very happy with that result yeah i think that, i think that's fair um i've i've two things to say on that my first is do you think the analytics you just gave us about halloween means that michigan didn't blow it they just went they went exactly how the game was supposed to go that's a possibility. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess it's just it, that might be a tough streak to break. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a tough number either way. But Michigan can't guard my grandma. No, my grandma. But I, like their cornerbacks are just atrocious. I mean, it looks like a turkey bowl game out there with me and my friends after like Wednesday night. Like, I mean. Can they, they can't come out of a break to save their lives. And Rocky Lombardi was just slinging around the yard. Yeah. It was, I mean, I, 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 again, like, I thought they might be good. And I did not think it was Joe Milton's fault. I thought the Michigan play calling was was terrible. And, and, and they're so stubborn in their coaching. Not only Don Brown, but Harbaugh. They're down by 10 with five minutes to go. Take four and a half minutes to score. And they give themselves 30, 30 seconds left. Like, God they, push the ball on It's not... The talent on the field that's losing the games, other than their quarterbacks, are serious issues. That that coaching staff is stubborn, and how can you be stubborn when you have letdown seasons time and time again? It's crazy. I want Jim Harbaugh to stay. I know last year obviously sucked, but I do too. I, I think he's just a clown. Stay. You want him to stay as a Notre Dame fan? As a Notre Dame fan. As an unbiased person. Oh no, he should be gone. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, I he should be gone. I too want him to stay. I too want him to stay because I love watching Michigan lose. Okay, so maybe reverse psychology here. We start gassing up Jim Harbaugh just so um, all our 1,000 Michigan fan listeners. Yeah, you know, when they beat, I don't even know, like when they beat Indiana, maybe, like gas them up just like, yeah, huge win for Harbaugh against a ranked team. Like way to bounce back, man. Maybe they beat Indiana. I don't, I don't, th- I don't think so. We'll get to it later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, hey, well, how, about, uh, how about fill the thrill? Going down to going down to Greenville, South Carolina, uh, with, the say, Bo- how about, how about with the Boston College Eagles. Yeah, it was Phil the thrill in the first half. The second half was the Phil Jerkovic that I know and love. 
<laughs> yeah, you went yeah. three of thirteen. I mean, I don't know if it was so much the Phil Jerkovic we know and love. Yeah, three and thirteen in the second half. Was it so much the Phil Jerkovic we know and love, or Clemson just said it's pretty early on a Saturday, but let's wake up? I think it was both. Yeah, I think that they uh, they I think they got caught in a uh, which is different for them. I just think that mis- missing missing their general on on offense and defense uh, in. Um, in Trevor Lawrence and what's the line and Skolaski, uh, missing their cap, basically their captains on both sides of the ball. I think they got kind of caught in a look ahead spot and a tough noon kick. Um, almost, I guess if you look back on it now, 2020 hindsight, obviously, hindsight is 2020, obviously, but that's a, that looked like a prototypical trap game uh, for the first half and they had fallen right into it. Um, BC made some good plays, uh, especially on the outside. I think that they, uh, they showed a possible weakness. Uh, in the Clemson, especially in the secondary, uh, but Clemson obviously uh, cleaned cleaned it up. They were they severely outcoached them in the second half. Um, despite even though I think the Boston College staff outcoached them in the first half, I think they they, uh, they did a better job in the first half. But I think they got out adjusted at halftime, um, and Clemson's just obviously obviously too much. Yeah, I mean let's not forget this game looks a lot different if there isn't Etn just coughing the ball up on the one. So does ours. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say the same thing. I would, uh, I, I would agree the same with Archibald, and we'll get to that. Um, um, what, watching that or keeping track of that that Clemson BC game, what were your guys' thoughts knowing that we have the Tigers at South Bend next week? Were you guys kind of hoping that um, Jeff Halfley and Boston College could pull it off, or were you guys like we need that for the matchup? I think we're on different sides here. I I wanted Clemson to win, just because. It just makes it so much easier. We have a win over either an unde- previously undefeated Clemson team or a loss to the number one team in the country. I think losing Clemson not being as good and having a worse resume really does nothing to help Notre Dame in the end. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I was thinking originally I was like, okay, it might be nice if Boston College pulls us off because then even if we do lose to Clemson, we might not play them in the ACC championship. But if they have one loss and they beat us, they're going to be in the ACC championship. Just like if we have one loss and we lose to them, we'll be in the AC Championship. So I don't know if it would have helped us at all um, because they would have just come out even angrier the next week. In my, it, I was I was in the opposite camp. I felt like I didn't I wouldn't have mind seeing a loss. Uh, I, I would have liked to see BC win the game. Um, in my opinion, and maybe this is short sighted, and maybe this is me being a, a Notre Dame fan rather rather than a smart, intelligent college football fan, um, knowing the way it goes. But I would like to see Notre Dame. Have the ability to control their own destiny, and I guess they still they still do that. Uh, they still do have that, but being able to go undefeated and it not even being a question as to whether or not they get to the it's the ACC championship game. Um, yeah, to, to me, to me, I, I wouldn't have mind seeing Clemson uh, take a loss, come in with a loss, and, and and us have the best record in the ACC going into the game. I mean, knowing that we're we are playing a team that's more talented than us on paper, even with the loss of Lawrence. DJ is gonna be first round pick by the time he comes out. Ian Book might not get drafted and no matter how many records he ends up setting. You know, when you're facing a more talented team, you only need to beat them once. You want them to be better. If Clemson lost that game, you know, then it's and we beat them the next week, then we're looking at a three way tie in, in that scenario, if Miami also went out to the ACC championship, we're leaving that out of our hands. So, you know, if we control our own destiny, yes, beating them would have been nice, giving them a second loss. But who's to say that Miami doesn't lose a second game and then comes back in the ACC championship with two losses 
And even if they beat us, it's not to make the playoff. It probably, you know, might effectively knock us out. Uh, I just, you know, I want us to be... And also, like, this is, you know, has no effect with the game on the field. But Notre Dame, just the entire thing around this team has been, you know, and Brian Kelly especially, is they can't win the big one. You know, Oklahoma 2012, kind of. But, you know, that team had Blake Bell at quarterback. It wasn't any of the... Heisman winners out there, um, you know it, that's been the narrative. And if Clemson lost, you know that automatically they're like, oh, they're not as good without Lawrence. Which you know I think people will still say that no matter what the outcome of the game is. But they'll just try to find any excuse to be like, oh no, now Clemson has two losses. This isn't the Clemson the last five years. In order to change the narrative and for Notre Dame to get start getting respect around the country, showing that the gap has closed between Notre Dame and those top three schools. You know, I, I want Clemson to be number one. I want them. I honestly wanted them to have Trevor Lawrence just because I think this team's flawed. They're not as good as 2018, and the Irish could do it no matter who's at quarterback. But beating a number one Clemson would be a lot better, and that's who we face. So, Yeah. Um, I, my ultimate takeaway from this weekend, and just seeing what kind of went down in college football, is we are critical of we are critical of the team sometimes in a, what we see from the field every Saturday, but right now it is nice to be an Irish fan, and we have to be grateful for what we have because there was never a shot that we were losing to Georgia Tech. Mi- Michigan's losing to Michigan State, like they're not that different, Michigan State and Georgia Tech from talent wise, but we rolled Georgia Tech, and I know it's an insane rivalry. Michigan losing to Michigan State, we had not, we don't have the losses that Michigan has had in recent years. We don't lose games that we shouldn't lose. So even though, Donna, you just mentioned we haven't won the big game, we are in a good spot as a program, and it was shown this Saturday, and it feels good. I mean, we're year in, year out, we're a, we're a top eight team, at least. Yeah, and I also think it's it's kind of a, it's also kind of something to, to take a note that, like, we struggled against Louisville, um, and I think we were very critical of that. And we still won the game, right? And I think – it's just depending on how much stock you want to put into what I consider kind of these fluky these fluky games. I was very upset. I didn't think we played very well. Um, and if I think I'm if I'm a Clemson guy, I think I'd be pretty upset with the way the first half went. Um, would ha- be happy with the second half response. But I think it's just it depends how much stock you want to put in these in some of these fluky games that are probably a little bit closer uh, than than they normally should be. Yeah, and honestly, like I'm good to just move straight into talking about us versus Georgia Tech. You are because. Honestly, there's one thing on my mind this week. It's, you know, like you said, Notre Dame controls their own destiny. They can win this game, put themselves in a great spot, and it won't matter what anyone else around the country does. You know, Notre Dame doesn't need help playing in the ACC this year. It gives them not one, but probably two chances at, you know, this game. Might lessen the magnitude just a bit, but it's still a fucking awesome, enormous game. But first, uh, what was the final? Is it 30... 8-14? It was less than 19 and a half 38, points. 30 to 13. 31-13, yeah. I honestly, the gap was less than 19 and a half yep. points. Was that the third time this year? Fourth time the Irish have ended the game inside the opponent's 10-yard line? Look, I'll say one thing. They did not punch it in, and that was really frustrating. That was, uh, that was extremely frustrating. But you cannot convince me otherwise that Tommy Reese didn't know, didn't know what the spread on this game was. I am certain of it, and you cannot convince me otherwise, no matter what you tell oh, me. He, he got them to hustle to the line. I was surprised that they were 
Yeah, yeah. Nick Sebo oh, yeah. like, let's go, let's yeah. go, let's go. Oh, yeah. They I, I was surprised that that was the mentality. I did not expect to see that. Just pissed me off they couldn't punch it in. They actually aren't a great spread team because of it, and it's got to be so infuriating for people who aren't fans of the Fighting Irish knowing that they just are okay with ending the game inside the opponent's 10-yard line. But I don't think they were that okay with it. They, that they were that okay with it. They did try and run a play with less than less than twenty seconds left where they, they couldn't eat it they out. They were throwing, but yeah. dropped back to throw with like a minute left. I think they tried to put it in the end zone, which they didn't have to do. So I was I was happy yeah. about that. Unfortunately, they didn't score. Slev, if it was about the spread entirely, though, you would have kicked, kicked the field goal. Field goal. <laughs> <laughs> but which don't is such a dick move. Like you can't do that. You no. can't do that. Like. But don't but don't tell me Reese didn't have it in the back of his mind. I I, I refuse to believe otherwise. Right. Um, before we completely dive into Georgia Tech, can I say one thing? Sure. The Mor- the Mormons covered. Yes, they did. 31. 31 from Jeez. BYU. Not and not not a problem. Not a problem. I mean, that game closed at thirty one. You got you out. you got it at twenty eight and a half, but that game closed at thirty one. Yeah. Um. My boys. My boys. Sheesh. Our boys. My boys had a better week than your boys, Donald. <laughs> We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get. Yeah, to no, that. my my boys, my boys choked it away. But we'll we'll, we'll get to all this. Um, all right. I, honestly, like, there's not a whole lot to say about this Georgia Tech game. There weren't any game breaking revelations. No one got hurt. That was huge. Uh, we'll miss Maris Lufau for the first half because of targeting. It just felt like this was just cruise control the whole game. This will be a game we look back at in February and be like, "What the hell even happened?" If there was one, if there was one, if there was one position we could afford a targeting foul, it uh, it was Buck. Yep. So that was uh, it's uh, that sucks, but I'm I'm not. That's not the end of the world. I'd much rather it happen at Buck than at Rover or at Strong or at Strong Safety. So. Yeah, I mean, two hundred plus yards rushing, almost. 200 passing. I thought Ian Book's first drive of the game, I thought the entire first drive of the game by the Irish in general was almost perfect and basically embodied what this team's been about all year. Just pounding the ball on the ground, play action, don't need Book to, you know, really drive the ball downfield that bad. Just find the open guy, move the chains, convert on third downs, get in the end zone, love the play action call to Wilkins. Uh, Book did a good job. I think his first option was one of the tight ends on the corner out. He was covered, found Wilkins, touchdown. I, I thought that was, you know, almost the perfect Irish drive. Great job by Tommy Reese. I assume it was scripted, but yeah. Yeah, I think um, especially that first drive of the game, he's probably got his first 20 play calls, um, you know, pretty scripted. And sometimes you have to adjust that if, if it calls for it. But Georgia Tech did nothing to make Tommy adjust that. So pretty by the book there. And I think – what oh, I talked about it last week. I think Slev, you touched on it as well. We didn't really show Clemson much. You know, we didn't crazy out coach them. We just outclassed them talent wise and and honestly, just just strength wise. They just didn't really belong on the same field as some of our guys. Um, which they'll get there as a program. They're on they're on the uptick, but uh, we just kind of outclassed them in all areas um, talent wise. And I think one more, uh, I've, I've, I've mentioned this a few times, and it wasn't as dominant this week as it has been in the past, and looking at it now, but to control the ball for 37 minutes of this football game, um, we continue to chew clock, we continue to dictate the pace of the game, um, which is good. I think that's that's what you should do against these teams, and I think it'll be interesting, it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on come Saturday, um, a possible 
stat or number that could be that could indicate Notre Dame's success would be if they're able if they have the ball, um, you know, more than Clemson does. And it could be close, but if they and I think it's going to be close, a lot closer than it has been recently. But if they can control, they can control the ball for more than thirty minutes. That could be a, that could be an interesting number to look at to see to indicate the possible possible Notre Dame victory on Saturday. I think I think this Saturday, um, to go off that slub a little bit, it, it's how much can we hold to our identity and not have to do anything that we don't want to do. Um, if we can kind of control what what we are and not really conform to, you know, you know, passing fifty times and not not running the clock like that. If we can hold to who we are, I think we are, we have a chance to hang around. Yeah, I uh, I, I would agree. Anybody else have some Georgia Tech stuff? I think I. I mean, I mean, just clean up the mistakes. The Kyron and Tyree, they each had a fumble. Uh, You just can't do that against Clemson. Can't give them extra opportunities, especially. I I believe both were on the plus side of the fifty. We got Tyree's back. Uh, Actually, great play by Kyron recovering it. Funny enough, but Kyron the fumble, also the onside kick. You know, it it can't happen. But it's things that. Are pretty. It's a pretty easy fix. I'm not too hung up about that. It hasn't been a huge trend. I actually have definitely been looser with the ball this year than prior years, but I'm not too hung up about it. I think they know the magnitude of this game. So. Yeah, I also I I'm sorry. Real quick, I I rewatched the. I was quite frustrated as a Notre Dame covering better on Saturday, um, but I rewatched the. The onside kick um, that had you know bounced off Kyron's chest, which was frustrating to rewatch. But give credit where credit is due. Jeff Collins drew up a that was schemed fairly well. I mean, how much can you scheme an onside kick? But um, he but he 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 brings a guy over from the opposite side of the formation late. It almost seemed and, and he started with only four guys on that side of the field. Um, of course, you you know you would expect all ten of your hands teams guys to have the hands for it, but it almost seemed like the strength of Notre Dame's hands team was. Not where they kicked the ball; they kicked away from it, um, and, and may, you know may, that might have had something to do with it. It was well schemed by Collins, so it was frustrating. But you know, I think like Dono said, there's a lot of little things um, that need to get cleaned up that will, uh, just because Notre Dame's a good team, football team that executes, and that stuff will get cleaned up this week. I have no doubt about it. Yeah, Kyron had every Notre Dame fan falling in love with him, and then kind of lost us just for just for a week. He can earn it back real real easily. For the performance yeah. on Saturday, but like, he single-handedly gave away that cover. Yeah, he did yeah. everything. He did. Like, um, I, I also want to bring up another under the radar play that I thought was just an awesome football play. The Dalen Hayes strip sack, great, great. Like Dalen Hayes played great this week. Um, the recovery by Tagovailoa Mosa was pretty sweet. If you guys yep. remember it, he was engaged with the blocker when the ball was on the ground, spun off the blocker. For the recovery, and I just thought that was an under the radar play that uh, that shouldn't go unnoticed. So, Myron, would that be your Ian's Intelligence Award of the Week? Yeah, I'll give Myron. I give Myron the Ian's Intelligence Award of the Week. Um, Glad that I picked him because otherwise, Kyron is going to get the Idiot Award of the Week. (laughs) Love you, Kyron, but come on. But so, Myron gets it. Yep. I'm trying to think of mine. Uh, This is a game. yeah, there were standouts. There's one particular I can think of. Coming home to his hometown, I thought Kyle Hamilton was the best player on the field when Georgia Tech had the ball. 
and that's what that's what Dalen Hay is playing. Unreal. Wu also played a damn solid game as we've come to expect from him. But Hamilton, you know, they can't pass. He he had I believe three tackles for loss. One was on a pass play. Just covers he covers so much ground. <laughs> it's unreal. Uh, there was the fourth down play. He, he's a dog. Undercut the blocker. The guard was trying to get around and hook him. Like, you're not going to hook Kyle Hamilton. You're 325 pounds. Just right under him. Drills Jameer Gibbs loss. Then, again, they try to run the two-point conversion right at Kyle Hamilton. What do you know? Another tackle for loss. Uh, yeah, bald head of the week goes for the guy with probably the biggest hair on Notre Dame's team. So, yeah, congrats, Kyle Hamilton. Some irony there. Uh, D, uh, I completely agree. I thought Kyle Hamilton was probably the best player on the field overall uh, on either side of the rock. Uh, he's an absolute dog, uh, and I love that he plays for Notre Dame and for nobody else. Uh, my big my big fellow of the week is going to go to Dalen Hayes. Um, I thought he is, he, he looked he looked like the threatening edge rusher um, that he was, he's been made out to be for quite some time. Uh, four tackles, uh, two sacks, and the, and the strip. Um, I thought he played he played really well. Nine and nine stood out uh, on on the defensive front, on the defensive line for sure. So, Dalen Hayes, big fellow of the week. All right. With that, I'm I'm ready. Move on to Clemson. We Let's made it, Clemson. boys. At we made long it. last, we've been. This one's been circled for a uh, while. I don't know how many times I've referenced November seventh on this podcast, but. It's coming. It's Clemson week. This is the biggest game in Notre Dame Stadium in 15 years since Reggie Bush and company came to town riding a huge winning streak. Clemson has won 36 straight regular season games. That's the longest uh, winning streak of regular season games by an opposing team coming into Notre Dame Stadium since the Miami Hurricanes in 1988. Nice stat. So there's a little bit of parallels. Um, you know, it's I believe it's the first ACC top five matchup versus a number one team. I saw this on Twitter today in at least 10 years. You know, this is the biggest game that, you know, since I became a fan of Notre Dame, at least regular season, that I think I've watched. Because you have Clemson, who's been probably the best college football team in the last five years. Notre Dame's been close for the last five years, four years, I guess. But they just can't get over the hump. They have them coming to town, and I wish that there was you know, 80,000 Irish fans there. But there it is. That's the stage. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here. Whew. Yeah, I mean, even without Trevor Lawrence, this is, this, this is a tingling matchup. I mean, it, it's, got, it's got everything you want. Yeah, uh, this is this is not even close. Uh, the biggest game uh, since since Reggie Bush and Matt Liner at USC came to town in two thousand five. Um, uh, I I, just, I think there are, there have been other big games along the way, but I don't know if you if we've realized the magnitude while they were happening, or they're just the magnitude simply isn't it wasn't as big. Um, but there's there's only a few games in Notre Dame history that that most fans can recall as being big. Uh, is being gigantic, and this is one of them. You know, '05 uh, is one of them. '88 against Miami is one of them, and probably Florida State '93. Uh, probably, probably like I think that I think that sit. This game is gonna hopefully sit in that in that classic game, um, even if we were on the wrong side of the '05 game. 
uh, I think it's going to sit in that classic classic game when all is said and done. Uh, Dono, do you know who uh, Clemson's last loss was to in the regular regular season? Jeez, that's got to go back to uh, oh, it was it was Syracuse and Kelly Bryant. I was going to say, wasn't Syracuse twenty sixteen? Like uh, way back there, but uh, I mean, are all of Brian Kelly's can't win the big ones kind of negated by a win here on Saturday? No, they're not negated, but here's the thing. Brian Kelly ever wants to bring up his record against top 10 teams, which I believe he's won one game. He's played only one top 10 matchup at home, and that was against Stanford back in 2018. That team wasn't a top 10 team. He's had to go on the road or neutral sites for all of these games. He's never had them have to travel to South Bend. You know, it's not going to be cold, which sucks. We're getting the 70-degree Saturday in November. I wish it was 32 degrees and sleeting. But... They haven't had to come. He hasn't had these teams come to South Bend. They say, "Oh, we can't win one." It's hard to win on the road in college football. It's hard to win on these neutral sites against teams where, quite honestly, they've had better coordinators than Brian Kelly has had throughout most of his time at Notre Dame. Now he has Clark Lee. Now he has Tommy Reese. There's a lot still to be proving as Tommy Reese is his biggest test yet. So you know, it doesn't erase all those losses, but this can do like a hell of a lot to help boost his, I guess, credibility because. It shows that he's taken that team from 2016, from one of the bottoms of Notre Dame football all time, you know, one of those valleys. And this would be a peak, at least, you know, over three years. This 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 would be a peak for sure. And I don't know about you guys, but I was there when I had one of my valleys, when uh, there was a crap call and a kickoff return in Jerry's world. And Julian Love missed the first the rest of the game after the first couple drives, and we had to sit through a thirty to three college football playoff loss against this very same Clemson Tiger team. That was that was that was a valley for me. I don't disagree. I think that was that that we I think this this class uh, from Notre Dame, our class, the class below us, uh, a few classes below us, and the class above us probably take this one a little, little more personal. Um, because of how many people were able to make the trip to Dallas um, and to watch that game live, uh, and all of the anticipation that that was built up to that, I think I think we take this one a little bit more personal, um, and, and it should mean it should mean a lot to lot to us. Uh, well, Tom, as, that was your twenty first birthday, uh, was it not? That was my, well, yeah, that was that was that was my twenty first birthday plus a day. I actually got twenty first birthday on Friday night on Friday night for the game, so weekend was great up until like up until game time. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. we've said too many times before. It was a great weekend, and then kickoff. Yeah, I mean yep. the the biggest thing coming out of that was the gap, and everyone's like, "There's a gap in talent. There's a gap in coaching." I think that was evident. That I think that 2018 Clemson team was all time historical. Great. People forget they beat Alabama by more than they beat Notre Dame in the national championship. Yeah, and, and, and Bama worked. Bama worked Oklahoma yeah. in that semifinal, and then yeah. Clemson just put the beat down on Bama. Yep, good point. And you know. And D, you know who else? You know who else mentioned that today was uh, was Kelly in his press in his presser. Uh, I don't know if you got a, chan- a, ch- a chance to watch Kelly's presser today. It's worth a watch. It's a little bit different than Kelly's presser over the last few weeks. This is more the vintage Brian Kelly that we know. Uh, but he did bring that up too. That he, you know, that was a question that was asked, and he and he made the same point you did. He's like this team. There was a big. There was there was a lot talked about between the talent gap between Clemson and Notre Dame. There was, and there was not a lot talked about about the talent gap between. Alabama and Clemson the following week. So, a good point, D. Love that. Love that comment from the head coach Kelly there. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny that it's just not talked about. Obviously, you know, people are right. There was a gap. It was pretty evident that, you know, the minute Notre Dame's best corner went out, Clemson goes over the top for three touchdowns. You know, it's not a coincidence. We don't have the depth that they had that year. But in terms of this Clemson theme, let's move on to this year. I don't think they're as good, as deep. You know, they don't have four first-round picks starting on their D-line that all were going to the draft the next year. It's not like they had four over the course of their career. Those guys all went, like, first round or first and second round. It was unreal, you know, the talent they had. I think this team, they have a bunch of five stars. The recruiting rankings on these guys are higher, but they're young. They're inexperienced. They don't have Justin Ross and T. Higgins at receiver. Um, But, you know, the biggest equalizer would have been Trevor Lawrence, but also he's out to be replaced, obviously, with a five-star true freshman. And that's the thing. This notion that, like, he's, like, some bum is absurd. The dude was the number three player in the class, number two somewhere, like – he can throw the football 85 yards. There's a video of him and Justin Fields at some camp in the summer. Fields rips it like 70, 75. DJ just takes a snap, takes like two steps, and rifles it 85 yards. I mean, the dude has a cannon. He's built like Cam Newton. He doesn't really run that well. He, he can get going in a straight line. But, you know, the notion that he's just some bum is insane you know this guy makes ian book look like a fourth grader when they stand next to each other and 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 this isn't usually uh something something that comes up just given that the the defense the defense the guys who are on defensive have earned their way to to division one scholarships to play at schools like notre dame and to play schools like clemson but this is like a tackling dj dj in, in the uh, in the open field, you got to commit to that. Like he's he's six he's six four two fifty. Like you got to be willing to put your put your put your nose in there. Um, you know, and kudos to anybody who's willing to do that because it, it will take a little bit more of a more of a gut check, I think, to to be willing to to really 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 get really make a strong tackle on this. It's not it's not going to be easy. Yeah, he he can't. I mean, clearly he's a great athlete and he can move very well. I, I think Trevor Lawrence. As a runner, as we saw in the playoff last year, he just got more of a vision than DJ does. Physically, though, DJ is a bigger, badder quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. But he's younger. He's 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 inexperienced. I mean, any true freshman, unless, I guess, except for Trevor Lawrence, is going to take a little bit of time adjusting. Um, as we saw in the first half against Boston College. Yeah, I, I think the thing with DJ, I spent some time this morning watching his high school highlights. And he went to St. John Bosco in California, just unreal program. They probably recruit like he he's got like four star receivers. His receiver talent in high school is probably just as good as it is at Clemson. He's the most dangerous when he has time to just set his feet and throw a, a dart. And he can throw a dart anywhere on the field. He can make every throw in the book when he has his feet set. But obviously he didn't show this on his highlights, but it's something we saw against BC. When you Get to him quickly when you make when you take away his first read, make him move out of the pocket a little bit. Things start to change. You know he's not. This is where Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than he is right now. Is Trevor Lawrence can go to his second, third read and drop a dime. And with DJ, it's you know he's not there yet, especially if Notre Dame throws some confusing looks at him. I think that's where they can take advantage of his inexperience and you know maybe because he has such a huge arm. He tries to make throws that aren't there. So 
At least that's what I'm hoping comes out of this. Yeah, so I, um, I guess that's to go off that, Dino. It's a, it's a key to my game a little bit. We haven't, we've kind of avoided the, uh, the elephant in the room that is Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to key in on stopping Travis Etienne because you're not going to stop the Clemson offense off to get altogether, but you have to stop one of the runner pass. Um, and if you stop Etienne and you can put DJ in some uncomfortable, obvious passing situations where you can get to him quickly or you can throw some different looks at him, if we try to get him doing things that he's not comfortable with um, rather than just slinging it around comfortably in the pocket, then you know maybe maybe we got a shot to hold him under 25 points. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. Uh, I, I think it's going to take it's going to take a near a near perfect effort from a defense that has been lights out thus far um, to get what we what we probably need. Do I do I think that they're um, I think that they're very capable of doing so. I, I don't really see. I don't really think it's. I don't. I don't really think it's far fetched. But we are going to need a, a damn near perfect effort, um, and without without many mistakes, uh, to 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 contain this this uh, this Clemson this Clemson offense. Yeah, I mean, it, I will say, you know, Etn, he's he's their best receiver. You know, Amari Rogers might have more yards, but Etn's the most dangerous when he gets hands on the ball. You know. But if there's one linebacker in the country that's equipped to stop Travis Etienne, it's Jeremiah Wusu koromoa there, There's no one else I've seen in the country who has the speed, the coverage skills. You know, they might test him deep, but we have, if we have, if Wu is able to take away Etienne on those wheel routes, stop him from getting to the edge too much, in that that allows us to keep Kyle Hamilton over the top and take away Clemson's deep routes, their vertical passing game. I, I think Wu's the biggest key to this game, and it's not even close. Because if he's able to neutralize ETN, you know, that allows us to keep our best player over the top and take away you know, their deep threats. So, Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, And we want Wu on ETN almost every single snap. But as you said, if he's able to neutralize ETN, that's almost going to neutralize. And Cal Hamilton's our best weapon on defense, but... Wu was a close second, and and losing him because he's always going to be blanketed on Etienne wherever he goes. Hopefully, um, is going to force some other people to step up and make some plays. And hopefully, that's Ade or Dalen Hayes, um, or, or maybe it's one of our cornerbacks. But somebody's going to have to step up and make a play, or maybe it's Jack Kaiser stepping in for Maris Leifel. I don't know, but because Wu is going to be have the almost impossible task to handle Travis Etienne, somebody else is going to have to step up and make a play. And I'm wondering who you guys think that might be. Uh, I, before we get to that, I, I, I just want to say I agree with both, both of your points on uh, on Wu. Uh, he is almost factory built to be a ETN stopper, or to be the matchup with ETN as far from a from a speed, strength, and coverage standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as who I think is going to step up and be uh, be somebody who can change who's an X factor on D, because I because I think I think you guys said it already. Like we need Hamilton to match up. Down the field to take away, you know, to, or to be the to be the to be the floating safety to take some take away the deep threat. We need Wu to kind of you know stick on stick on Etn as much as he can. Um, for me, I'll go with the defensive line. I think it's somebody like a Dalen Hayes, like you mentioned, Ian. Um, somebody who can test who can test the Clemson offensive line as an edge rusher. Um, 
and 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 move and move DJ uh, at, around in the pocket or out of the pocket. Um, do not let him get comfortable. Get around his ankles um, and get around his feet and uh, and, and hopefully hopefully move him move him around because D's right. He's uh, he's one of he throws he throws rockets accurate rockets uh, when he can set his feet and step into it. Yeah. I think Clemson's offensive line, they lost four starters coming back from last year. You know, they're super talented. Clemson's recruited very well, obviously. Their O-line's one position where they don't recruit at the level Notre Dame does, at least right now. Uh, they did get a five-star Jackson Carmen's their left tackle. He's a Cincy boy, shout out. Then their left guard, Mac Bockhorst. He's a bomber. But Bockhorst, you know, he's going to be playing pissed off in this game. And I know this for a fact because... He, his entire time at St. X, he just wanted the Notre Dame offer. Him and Sean Clifford both, actually, quarterback at Penn State. Uh, they visited right after they, when they were freshmen, said they both wanted to go there. And then neither of them got offered. Notre Dame decided to offer Avery Davis instead of Clifford, funny enough. But Bockhorst, he's going to be playing pissed off. He hates Notre Dame. I know that for a fact now. So it'll be interesting. He's a little undersized. Only He's only like 6'3", 6'4", probably right around two. 85 to 90. I don't think he's that big. He doesn't have a giant frame. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think we can win in the run game. You know, we faced bigger offensive linemen this year. And I think that's a huge matchup. Dominating the trenches is, you know, we talked about Wu as a key. That's another one of the biggest keys to this game. We almost we almost lost Kurt Heinisch to a possible targeting call, which would have been I a didn't, blow. I thought that was a shitty review. I didn't think that was It was. Yeah, it, it was. But for a second there, I was. I was worried. That's, yeah, we need that big boy in the middle. Like I said earlier, like l- losing Maris Lufau at Buck is not the end of the world. Like I, I think I think he's valuable. I like the way he plays, but um, the fact that it's almost by committee, anyways, just like Golick said on on on, on telecast on Saturday, um, just like it's by committee. Like that's uh, that's something we could. It's definitely survivable. I don't think it changes the game plan at all. Um, it doesn't become a weakness. But losing Heinish at the guard, at the nose guard. Um, is would be an issue, I think. I, th- I think that his experience, uh, he, you know, the, his experience at that position, his experience, his size, and his strength is uh, something that would be difficult to replace for a half, uh, for an entire half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and I think, you know, I, I'm more confident in our defense than I am our offense, honestly. And this is Clemson without two of their best defensive players, maybe their two best defensive players. Um. I think we have to establish the run early. They'll be expecting it. It's just going to be who wants it more, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, we got we have to be able to run the ball. Otherwise, Ian Book is just in for a, a long game. Um, but they, they know we're going to try to establish the run, and I'm with you, Dono. Like, we're going to have to run it when they know we're coming, um, win the battle at the line of scrimmage, and then also Tommy Reese dial something up that maybe misdirections. I mean, tough losing Braden Lindsay, but – Avery Davis has looked dangerous. Let's put the ball in his hands a little bit, um, and and get hopefully get our athletes out in space somehow in some creative ways. So Tommy, now's your time, baby. Step up. Yeah, I uh, I'm glad that we got to see a little bit more variety in Notre Dame's play calling and, and Notre Dame's offensive scheme in the last few weeks. I thought it was good to start spreading the ball a little bit around, spread the ball a little bit uh, around more and um, and start find some some different receivers who can make plays but I don't mind this week if you go back to your bread and butter um, I think that it's going to be really important um, for the offense as a whole uh, 
to be able to move the ball against a Clemson defense front seven uh, from the run game standpoint. Like I don't think I think if I think if you're running if you if you're running the ball for less than three and a half three three and a half yards a carry, I think you're gonna be in deep trouble. Um, I think you're gonna have to get that number north of like four and a half. Four, four, five, four, five, four. You're gonna have to get that number north of four and a half um, to start seeing success in that run game. And like, you know, like we always say, like success in the run game opens up the pass game. It opens up play action. It allows you to take some shots. Like it's gonna be imperative to get a little bit of push. I'm not saying you gotta dominate and that Kyron Williams needs nine yards of carry like he has in, in weeks past, but you're gonna have to get the yards per carry north of four and a half. Um, to prove that you can move the ball and to make them respect uh, respect the run and start playing the run to open up stuff for Book down the field. Yeah. Also, there is no way. I think I think we've been hiding the tight ends in the pass game this year so far. I think there's Tommy Reese has to have something up his sleeve. He's he's not a dumb guy. He's smart enough to know the weapons we have. Tommy Tremble. I think we he had a lot less snaps this week. I think we were resting him honestly for this game. We have weapons in the pass game at that tight end position. They wear 84 and 87. Uh, you know, we've basically only used them on crossing routes, a seam here and there. There's got to be more ways we can use them. I think there are, and I think we've been saving them just because there's so many things you can do with these two tight end sets and all the motion we do and shifting. You know, you have to account for both those guys when they're on the field, and right now you know, it's been very vanilla what we've done with our tight ends. I think we see them in a big way. I think when we have to pass the ball, there will be situations where we have the ball. Clemson's too good. We're not going to be able to just do what we did to Louisville or Florida State to them. Um, you know, we'll be able. I think we'll find the tight ends. Those guys need to make plays on Clemson's linebackers and safeties. You know, they're huge guys. They're the most talented players on Notre Dame's team. They need to make plays in this game. Yeah, hey, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm just gonna say like this. Uh... I mean, this Clemson defense is not the same that it's been in the past. Um, it's not the same defense that we saw in 2018, but it's also not the same defense that we saw two weeks ago. Uh, I mean, they're missing Skalski, um, Mike Jones, or who was their other linebacker? That yeah, I think it's Jones. Um, like, like they're just not the same personnel-wise, and, and I think they're they're missing their leaders out there. And Phil Jerkovic and, and Boston College kind of exposed that this Clemson defense is accessible. They, they can be broken, and I think the tight ends are going to be a huge key to that, especially because a lot of times Scalsey and Jones would be the ones that matched up on those tight ends. Yeah, I mean, they haven't... Do you have Go ahead. And... Sorry. Oh, well, I was just going to... Hey, you made a good point about how we've used the tight ends thus far, um, crossing on the crossing routes in the seams. Um, I'm not saying... I, I, I would like to see us show a little bit something other than that, but I also think that those are going to be a really important parts of what we're going to do, making inexperienced linebackers move sideline to sideline, um, as well as challenging down, down the field, I think will be, will be somewhere where we could have, where we could potentially have success. I think that was a good, that was a good point that you made. That the, the, that's, that's stuff that we've used um, and we should get, we should find something a little bit different and something new, but I think it's, it could be those, those kind of routes are, are places where I think we could have success this weekend. Yeah. I think it opens up a whole new section of the field. If you look at our offense so far, especially in the passing game, everything's on the edges to the sidelines. You know, we're never hitting those seam routes. Like all of our passes are completed to guys who are running parallel to the line of scrimmage, you know, not going straight down the field. You know, we're barely ever doing that. And, you know, if we use the tight ends, you know, that's, 
I think those intermediate throws, whether it's 10, 15 yards in the middle of the field, Ian Book can make those throws. You know, that's probably plays more to his strengths than trying to gun the ball to the sideline because you can't be late to the sideline unless it's picked. In the middle of the field, if he's able to, you know, find those windows where guys can get open, Ben Skoranek, I think of him, he's a good route runner. He can sit down and find a hole in the zone. If we're able to do that, I think that'll help us move the chains on, you know, third and mediums, third and longs. As long as, you know, we're able to protect Book, which, you know, this is, once again, this isn't the 2018 Clemson pass rush. You know, there's no Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell coming off the edge. They're good. They're young. They'll be really good, but they're not quite there yet. I think um, if, if I were to throw a quick key to the game for me, and it, it's not necessarily a matchup, um, I think a key to the game for us is we have to play with the lead. We can't be chasing them. Because um, I think that just opens up a lot from our offense. If they start keying in on the run, it helps Ian Buck out a little bit. But also, if we're playing with the lead, or if we're playing with a deficit, it opens up a lot for them offensively. going to make them so tough to stop. Um, so I think we have to get out to a quick lead. Because we're not equipped to hang with these guys coming from behind. So I think that's a big key, uh, a big key to the game for me. Um, I think that my my I, I mentioned a few so far as far as like specific numbers I'd like to see, um, but I think another uh, another key for us just holistically would be getting off the field on third down. Um, this de- this defense is our de- the Notre Dame defense is really really good and they have the potential to to put Clemson behind the sticks in a few different spots and um, but I, th- I think I think not letting them get these long sustained drives. Um, that kill the clock and, and, and really tire your defense are going to be huge. Get off the field early on, early on third down uh, on their side of the field and, and get, get, this, get this offense the best field position that you can get it um, because I'm not sure how many 99-yard or 98-yard drives it's going, to have, it's going to have in it. Yeah. For me, is if Notre Dame keeps this game, and specifically Clemson, under 30, if this game's played in the 20s and the teens – Notre Dame has a shot and probably a good, you know, punch. They definitely have a puncher's chance. If it gets above 30, if this is a shootout, I just don't know if Notre Dame has the horses on offense to, you know, compete with, you know, this passing game that Clemson has. And the biggest thing is that that has to start on defense. You have to keep them under 30. And to keep them under 30, especially with DJ in the game, you have to shut down Travis Etienne, not only in the run game, can't let him get going there. Can't let him. the thing is, even if he doesn't get going, he can still you know he could have eight carries for fourteen yards. Then the ninth carry goes seventy five yards. He's that kind of player. We can't let that happen. We have to stop the big play. And then also you know like we mentioned this earlier is he's the safety valve of that Clemson passing game as well. You know he's there in the flat on wheel routes. They'll run him on the seams occasionally too. If you stop Travis Etienne, a lot of times. You know, DJ, he, he's either his first read or if his first read's covered, he's looking right at ETN. And if you take him out of the game, and Clark Lee's really gotten really good at taking away the other team's best player. If you can take ETN out of the game and make the other four skill guys beat you, I think Notre Dame's defense has a puncher's chance to shut them down. But... You know, that's coming down to stopping the best skill player in the country. That's not an easy ask for any team to do. No one's done it to this point. So I, I think that's the way it's done. You know, if you shut him down, you get yourself good field position. Notre Dame 
I, I think they're not Notre Dame's not going to change their identity on offense. We're not going to see an air raid. Still going to try to control the clock. And if we limit possessions and limit ETN's touches, I think then we have a shot at least. I believe. I believe. I believe. I, believe my man I feel better than I did coming off the Louisville game. That's for sure. When Clemson was putting up 73. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I, literally anything would make me feel better than I did coming off the Louisville game, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Come on, baby. All right. Six days. Five days. Five days. We're recording this Monday night. Five days. All right. Going to be a long Going to be a long five. Should we uh, do some Q&A? This has some more Clemson questions packed in here as well. Sure. Thank you, man. I got my own. I got my own hypothetical that I kind of want to toss toss out. Okay. If that's all right. Make that your make that your question. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll go first. My my question: Would you rather have a Clark Lee masterclass in this game in the ACC and us or in the ACC championship, but us shut out the Clemson team, not shut them out, but hold them to very few points? If it means that he's getting hired elsewhere, or would you rather have him again next year? This year's the year, I think. Next year we'll be breaking in a new QB, losing a lot on defense, uh, like four starters possibly on the O line. I need his master class this year. I think I think this is the year. I think next year Notre Dame probably takes a step back at least. It's hard to see them not. So, yeah, I want the master class. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Follow up. Do you think we lose him after this year? Maybe not after this year. Just. And this is just a reality of the situation with COVID and schools are going to have a really hard time buying out the contracts of bad coaches and justifying that cost to you yeah. know, their administrations and stuff like that. So I think that probably plays a part in it. So if I had to guess, he's around for one more. Get every last minute we can, Adam. Yeah. All right. All right. Do you get a question you want to, you want to pick? Yep. All right. This is from, yeah, you guessed it, Retro Sports Guy. Hey, guys. As I've mentioned before, this game is everything to me and my my sanity this fall, not to mention my godsons. The last time we played Clemson, it didn't go too well. What has changed since 2018 to give me hope this Saturday? Do you want me, I, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Ian Book has a few more starts under his belt. Brian Kelly has a few more games coached. Uh, you got a older, uh, not older, but I, I, I think you got a, probably a better defense on the whole uh, with a more skilled secondary that I think has a better chance of matching up on the outside. Um, and frankly, it's tough to ignore the fact that Clemson's missing some weapons. Um, no, T, no T. Higgins, uh, no Justin Ross, uh, no Trevor Lawrence. Yes, you have DJ. And you have guys like Amari, uh, Amari Rogers and guys like that on the outside, and you still have Travis Etienne. But um, it's tough to not acknowledge the fact that Clemson's without some of their horses um, and and uh, and their linebacker, uh, his name's escaped me, Skolaski. Um, like they're missing some, they're missing some pretty key pieces. Um, so I think that that's something that you can you can make a positive out of or, or look forward to. So I'll say to a retro sports guy, I think, first of all, as, as Sleb just alluded to, Clemson's not the same Clemson. Um, but when looking at Notre Dame, I think our best guys are better now than they were then. 
Um, our dudes are more more of dudes than they were then. And yeah, we had Julian Love, but he didn't play in that game. Um, and he's you know obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the country that year. But we didn't have Kyle Hamilton on the field back then. Um, Wu was a different player than he was back then. Um, Wu is will be one of the better players on the field this this year. Um, and then our run game is entirely different. Jafar Armstrong was the starter that year, and he's the fourth stringer this year. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with those three things that say. Like I say, it's gonna be different entirely, but I'm saying it's what's making me feel like it might be different. Yeah, I. I'm going to go experience. You know, it's kind of playing off what you guys have said, but basically every guy that's going to be on the field for Notre Dame either played in that game, in the case of Book, the O-line, um, you know, Tremble's on the team. Mayer wasn't, but, you know, he was probably watching. Uh, the receivers, they were all on the team then watching. They saw what happened. And guess what? They've gotten better since then. I think Clemson's, you know, top-line guys, you know, they aren't as good. Trevor Lawrence has gotten better, but guess what? He's not playing on Saturday. Um, you know, even on defense, Kyle Hamilton was in the end zone watching Ross and Higgins catch those touchdowns, knowing that next time that those teams match up, he'll be the one over the top. So, you know, I'm kind of, like we talked about the gap earlier. You know, yes, Clemson's maybe not at that top level that they were in 2018, but Notre Dame's closer. You know, maybe the most talented guy in that Notre Dame team that year was Jerry Tillery in terms of NFL potential. Uh, I think you have two guys on defense that have more NFL potential than him now in Wu and Hamilton. Maybe not the top line of the D-line, but I think the D-line maybe top to bottom, maybe slightly worse. I'd probably give the edge to uh, that 2018 on D-line, honestly, but I think linebacker, they're stronger. Um, corner depth is better. There's no top line guy like Julian Love. We don't have that, but I think there's more depth at the corner position, more size. And the biggest thing is more speed. Uh, I think this defense has gotten faster. We've heard it on broadcasts all year from whoever's calling the Notre Dame game. They say this is the fastest defense Notre Dame's ever had. And, you know, that's so important when you're playing against Clemson or an Ohio State or an Alabama, the teams Notre Dame needs to beat to get to the next level. So, if anything, you know, it's a lot of things. You know, I think Brian Kelly has done a great job, you know, trying to fill that gap. I won't say we're there yet. We haven't beaten Clemson. But we're getting close. You know, this O-line, I think we had four starters that played in that game coming back to play in this one. You know, gives you some reason for confidence. All right, you mentioned you mentioned three names that will that'll relate pretty heavily to the next question I'm going to ask. We have a question from listener Joe O'Leary. Uh, Joe asks, if we win, where do you predict we land in the AP poll next week? If we lose, where do you predict we land in the AP poll? Um, if we win, I still think if, if Chalk holds, we're probably third. Um, probably we jump Clemson. Clemson will probably go four, but we'll be behind Ohio State and Bama. Um, if we lose... I don't see us dropping. I think I think maybe the delineator there is how the AP treats us in relationship to Cincinnati. Um, so maybe seven or eight or six or seven, if we lose. Yeah, I, I think I can agree with that. And you know, once again, I'm not going to get too caught up in the rankings. You know, if we win, we're at three, but that's 
you know, a lot, once again, everything is in front of us. I doubt you know, we can even win our way to number one as much as, you know, it would be nice to see the number one lit up on top of Grace Hall. But, you know, even if we lose, our we'd still control our destiny. I think we would fall back maybe behind Georgia, Cincinnati, and BYU. Maybe Oregon as well. Although, you know, it's hard just knowing just because they're barely playing in the Pac-12. But, um... Honestly, I just think we still have everything in front of us, even if we lose. Because if we beat Clemson again, it, I don't think anyone's going to have a better win than that in college football. So uh, I wouldn't be worried, but if I had to guess, I would guess seven or eight. I don't think we'd fall out of the top ten unless it's like we lose fifty-two zero. I uh, I agree with what Ian said on Cincinnati. I think it's going to depend on how how the uh, how the AP treats treats Cincinnati and what they do. They have another big one. I think they have they have Houston this yeah. weekend. They have UCF, or no? They do have UCF. I thought it was Houston, yeah. but I, I, I could be they wrong might, they at might some point. Yeah. Was it, it's UCF. Okay, so they got, they got another game. Um, they got, It's either Houston or UCF come up this weekend, and, that, and that's another big one for them um, that I think would count as quality wins. I think both those teams are quality football teams. So I think it'll depend on how that shakes out. I think the Florida-Georgia game could also have an impact. Um you know, we'll be we'll talk about that game in a few minutes. But the cocktail party, uh, we'll have we'll have a, we'll have some say if Notre Dame were to lose uh, as far as how far they'd go. Um, I would like to think that a win would put them at, into number one, given that they beat the number one team. Um, I'm, I, but I also think that that is probably not going to be the case. I think it, I think most of the voters would have a very difficult time putting Notre Dame above uh, what we've seen from Alabama and what we've seen from Ohio State. I don't want number one. That's that's just that's a whole can of worms. Puts a target on your back. I, yeah, but I love, but the freaking one over over Grace Hall. Yeah, you light that up. You light that up. But it is yeah, a target I mean, on your back. But it's just something that I just don't even want to deal with conversationally. Just walking around, if I have another damn logo on, just like just well, like don't even want to touch that. Oh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Let's revisit it next week, and we could we could talk yeah, about yeah, it again we'll next see. week because. It would be the I think it'd be the first time since 2012 with that numbers up there with the football with football being being the reason. But we can come back to that later. I thought that was a good question though. Uh, interesting, interesting topic. For Thank discussion. you, Joe. All right, you guys want to get get to some get to some picks? Yeah. Are we starting with the big one? Okay. Awesome. All right. So no, we're gonna finish with the big one. I decided. Um, we'll go to we'll, we'll go to some of the other ones. Uh, we were. So, D D was two and four, I, I believe. Think I was three. No, I was two and uh, four. Lost in the Notre Dame game. Lost in the. Uh, you were two and four. Lost in Notre Dame. Lost in Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, lost in LSU, Auburn. Uh, you won in the UCF Houston game. Um, lost badly the Coastal Carolina and Georgia State game. Um, and you had you had Texas, which was which was a, which was a win. So two and four. Ian, what were you? Were you three? Were you three and three? I think I was three and three. Uh, I think you were you were three and three as well. Notre Dame hit, Ohio State hit, L, uh, LSU hit, uh, LSU did not hit, Houston did not hit, Coastal hit, and you had the Mormons. Um, so, um, LSU, and, LSU, we were so wrong on that. We I were we could we couldn't have been more wrong. Um, wow. We are almost as wrong as Dono and Georgia State. Almost, but not quite. Um, I and then I was three and three. 
Um, Notre Dame was a loss, Ohio State win. Um, LSU lost, UCF win, Coastal win, and I had North Carolina uh, loss uh, at Virginia. All right. We didn't touch on that. We did not touch on that. We should we should get into that at some point um, later this week. But, uh, real yeah, real quick. That was uh, that was that was an interesting interesting little ha- little happening in Charlottesville um, that I was kind of caught off guard by. The rest of our schedule is doing us no favors. No, nope, nope. Although no, well, let's hope BC wins another one uh, this week. But all right, let's look at some of the other games we have on the slate this week. All right, so we're going to change it up with the format. Uh, we're going to pick. We're going to pick three games, and then you're going to have your choice at a Pac-12 game. Welcome back to the Pac-12. Uh, that'll be all on Saturday, I believe. And then you have your choice at a Maction game. Matt, the Mac is back this week. Every game being played on Wednesday that's evening. Awesome. Um, so that's good. There's no more. There's no more baseball to to watch. No basketball. No hockey. Uh, love some little some midweek football from from the mid uh, Mid American Conference. So you get a you get three three of the games we choose. Pac-12 pick, a Mac pick, and then your lock of the week. Um, is that good with everybody? Works with me. Good for me. All right. We'll start with uh, we'll start with the Mormons. Ian Waller's Mormons going to Boise, Idaho to play Boise State to play the Broncos. The Mormons are favored by two and a half. We're gonna take these lines off the FanDuel as of Monday, as of Monday evening. Two and a half. Disrespectful. Absolutely disrespectful. Absolutely disrespectful. Nope. The Mormons are two and a half. Wow. Are you kidding me? There is. We have seen nothing from BYU to make this less than a seven-point line. Disrespectful. Gave me my boys. BYU minus two and a half. Uh, all right. Play it up to minus. I five. was honestly gonna fade it, but two and a half's really small. Um, yeah, I, I think they can cover two and a half. Be nice for Notre Dame if they lose. I just don't think they do. Uh, I too have the Mormons. Uh, we're all locked up there. Uh, I don't see. I just think that I think Boise's a good team. I just think BYU has played this played way more games than they have um, uh, and has proven to be very, very good. I think Boise's, you know, this will only be game two for Boise. But then again, it, it could be tricky. It's, Friday, it's, it's the game's Friday night um, at Boise State. Um, I'm picking BYU. I think the number's too small, um, especially inside of a field goal. But don't be shocked if it's a pretty tight game, if Boise can pull one out um, at home. But I'm still taking, I'm still taking BYU. All right, the other game that we're gonna that we're gonna pick before the Notre Dame and Clemson game, we have the cocktail party from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Florida taking on the, the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia favored by four and a half. What do you guys think? Donna, you want to go first? Yeah, I honestly, this is one I just don't know because I I, I want to take the under in this game more than anything. If I were to bet on it, um, my gut says. Florida take them against the spread, so I'm gonna go with Georgia. That's my reasoning. Okay, Mr. Waller. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair play from Dono, given what we're seeing from the from the record um, <laughs> next to his name there. Um, I think this pick ultimately comes down to me fading Stetson Bennett, um, and I, I'm just picking Kyle Trask over Stetson Bennett. I know there are 21 other guys in, that make up a football. Um, you know, offensive defense there, but I'm I'm picking the quarterback of Kyle Trask here. 
Um, and I'm I'm gonna take Florida to cover, and I think they I think they easily can win that game if they can put some points up. Yep, I uh, I too uh, I'm taking Florida. I think that Georgia Georgia certainly struggled, um, but I guess both teams kind of kind of struggled. But Florida's defense looked like it was much improved this past weekend. Um, Georgia's defense has some injuries, um, and we know that Florida's offense can be explosive with uh, with Kyle Trask and. What's the why am I why is his name escaping me? Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah, they're Kyle. Somebody help me. And Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask are both uh, you know a pretty pretty good tandem down in Gainesville. I'm taking the Gators. Um, definitely, definitely with the points. Um, certainly going to strongly consider them for a money line sprinkle as well, um, for sure. All right, fellas, over the back Pac-12. Does anybody have one they're feeling good about in the Pac-12? Welcome back to the Pac-12. I'm not feeling good about this, but I'll go. Uh, like the UCLA Bruins minus six and a half against Colorado. It's not because I think UCLA is good. I think Chip Kelly has honestly kind of done a terrible job there. But it's more so because Colorado is breaking in a new coach in this year. That's especially tough. We see how tough that could be the first game of the season. Um Honestly, yeah, I, I think that well, Colorado is pretty bad this year. UCLA definitely has more talent than they do. Just a matter of you know, putting them away. I, I, I just think a touchdown is not enough for that game, so I'll go with the Bruins. All right, Ian? Um, Slev, can you look up what um, Oregon's favorite against Stanford? You, Yeah, I can. I know I know, I know what they are. Hold on, I'm just going to type in D's real it's quick. It's 10.5. Uh, well, I'm uh, – It's 10.5. Okay, that's what I had too. Um, I'm gonna go with Oregon. Um, I don't love betting on a ten and a half point favorite, having never seen the team play yet, um, and, and being the first game of the season. But I just think Mario Cristobal is, is building something pretty solid there, um, and I think Stanford is not the program that they have been in the past. Um, and I think Oregon will be ready to come out and probably prove that they might be in. Um, Playoff, playoff conversations. So I'm going to take Oregon 10 and a half. Um, D, was your line six or six? Six and a half. For UCLA. Six and a half. Okay, awesome. All right, so um, Ian, uh, I don't like that I deferred to you to go first because I too am on the Oregon Ducks and I'm not going to change my pick at this point. Um, I think Mario Cristobal has the right formula in the Pac-12. I think that they're going to run away with the Pac-12. Um, and it starts with uh, with a with an afternoon game at home uh, against Stanford. Uh, like you mentioned, I don't think Stanford's nearly the program that they've been in the past uh, whatsoever. Um, and I uh, I just think I think that the Crystal Ball and, and Oregon will just be too much. And plus, we love we love the mascot puddles. Um, so I got the Ducks uh, minus ten and a half as well. We are completely locked up. Let's see. I'd be shocked if we landed on the same action pick. But yeah, I, I also <laughs> landed on the same action pick. Does anybody have a really good feeling about their action pick? I can go first in this one. If uh, yeah, if why don't you go be. first? It's, uh, it's just in case I take it. Okay, give me one second. Um, I'm gonna go with the SUNY Buffalo. Uh, SUNY, we're gonna go SUNY Buffalo at Northern Illinois, uh, laying eleven and a half. Um, this Buffalo program has produced NFL talent talent in the past, like Khalil Mack. Um, they were pretty good last year in the Mack themselves. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the Mack. I didn't get a chance to, to, to study them today's 
Uh, there are some other th- other things going on in my life, but I'm going to go with SUNY. Bu- I'm going to go with Buffalo uh, on the road against Northern Illinois um, on the red turf. Uh, I'm going to go go them laying uh, that their favorite by eleven and a half. I'll take Buffalo. All right, I am going to take Bowling Green against Toledo. Um, the battle of I-75 or something like that. Yep. I don't know. It's a rivalry game. That's We talked about it earlier. That's a big spread for a rivalry game. But I'm picking Bowling Green to cover 22 because – Bowling Green to cover 22, 22 because their new director of player personnel is a product of the Notre Dame football offices, Mr. Nick Valdeseri. Um, and he has been there for approximately three, maybe four months. But uh, I believe that in those three, four months, he's turned them into a national contender. So I'm going to take Bowling Green to cover plus 22, only because my good friend Nick Valdeseri works there. Um, but I will say opening as a 22-point underdog signifies to me that Bowling Green is probably atrocious as a football team. So I would not suggest <laughs> taking this. But I'm gonna take Bowling Green in the rivalry game to not lose by more than. I mean, that is an enormous yeah, at, your, at, at, at your at your own risk. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday in November, and you Has keep, any team, team you picked is actually like forty points in a, on a Wednesday night. Like, that's a that good happen? point. It's a good yeah. point. All right. Think think about the numbers you'll need. Yeah, that's a good point. So I've been horrible right, betting uh, with my allegiances here, especially to the Saint Xavier Bombers. But I'm going to do it again. Um, Miami of Ohio Redhawks are a point-and-a-half favorites against Ball State. Uh, they return probably, I think, the projected first-team all-MAC tight end in Andrew Homer. My senior year, he played linebacker. I was his backup. I was second string behind him. He's a good guy. I think he catches a touchdown. And I think the Redhawks cover one-and-a-half. To either favorite by one and a half, correct? Yeah. All right, got it. Just want to make sure I had it uh, had it wrote, wrote down wrote down the right way. Okay. All right, so we got Miami Bowling Green and Buffalo. That's if uh, if you're if you're crazy, you'll parlay that on Wednesday night. Um, if, you're, if you're crazy and you're loyal, I don't think right. we've ever had three locks. locks. Anybody? Okay. Um, D. Yeah, so I I've made some uh, good money betting against the South Florida Bulls. Uh, this year. I've also made some good I've been pretty good at my American conference bets as well, believe it or not. I think I'm above 500 at those. Um, yeah. They play, it doesn't matter who they play, honestly. They are playing Memphis. Memphis just got uh, smacked around the yard by Cincinnati. But we've seen this Memphis team put up a lot of points this year in other games. South Florida's defense is atrocious. Uh, the line is 18 and a half. I think Memphis covers. D, I can get you an 18. All right, sure, yeah. Actually, FanDuel has an 18. All right, we'll get you an 18. Sweet. USF at at Memphis, and we got Memphis. You're taking uh, no, no. You're taking the bolt. You're taking USF to cover, right? No. Are you taking USF to cover? Absolutely not. I'm taking <laughs> <No>. Memphis. <laughs> okay. Memphis plus I think, I think Memphis minus eighteen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Memphis minus eighteen. I think that's a fantastic bet, and you should get that. Before, everybody should get that before it moves. I hate people. Wait to. Would hate to see that happen. Um, all right. USF at Memphis. Memphis minus eighteen is the lock of the week. Ian, your lock of the week. I just because. Holy cow! The shots last week. I'm taking a <laughs> seventeen point favorites. Um, because. They did good things for me. I know South Alabama is like a good team and, and kind of 
well-regarded, but they're 3-3 three and three against a 6-0 and oh Shanta Clears team that is absolutely rolling, absolutely rolled over Donald's Georgia State. Um, I don't even know what Georgia State would have Panthers. Panthers? Georgia State Panthers. Um, so I think I think Shanta Clears roll again and want to see themselves keep climbing up the, those rankings. So I'm taking Coastal Carolina minus 17. Minus 17. Um, okay. Let me see. Let me just double-check something here. Uh, I'm going to take... I want to make sure I find the best line here. Uh, I'm going to take the Indiana Hoosiers at home against the Michigan Wolverines. Um, nobody should be surprised by that. Then I have found another excuse to bet against Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I'm going to get that game. Uh, I have it at three and a half, which is awesome. So Indiana plus three and a half. Um, that might. That's another game. Um, that I will be sprinkling on the money line for sure. Um, I like Indiana to win that game outright at home. Um, I just don't think that Michigan is that good, and they and they showed that this week against again. We showed that last week against Sparty. So I'll take uh, I'll take Indiana. I'll take the Hoosiers plus three and a half. Yeah, I I I would love to see this Michigan season just go go downhill a little bit. Not that I would love to see it. My my, my best friend's a good uh, a good Michigan man, and his takeaway after the game was. Selfish, but he said, "I hope this season gets to get to Kansas." Um, that, that's best case scenario for Michigan. Right now. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I hope I hope the season incinerates on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we have another Big Ten matchup to get hyped up for, only to see Ohio State roll. Yeah. Yep. All right. With, with Indiana. Yeah. All right. Wait, big one. The big one. All right, guys. Um, I pulled this line off the of Fanduel. I. Uh, I don't think we should try and shop it around. What should, is everybody good if we stick with the five and a half line? Yeah. Seems to be the one. That's actually that's actually everywhere. The best, yeah. Okay. All right, so it's Clemson at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is five and a half point dogs at home. Uh, what do you guys think? Not it. Uh, all right, I'll go first. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to get my score prediction with this as well. So I think this is a game where Notre Dame's going to be in. I think I actually think we go up early. I think we go up 10-0 to the start. Um, I think DJ struggles to you know get a read with our defense, but then I think Clemson. I haven't loved our kickoff coverage this year. I think Etn House has won. Flips the momentum. Uh, it's 10-7. They start figuring out book. We start being able, unable to make plays. And then it's just back and forth from there. And Clemson goes up. Uh, they go up 14-10. Once again, I think DJ starts finding his guys. Amari Rogers is able to make plays against Sean Crawford. Uh, he's guarding him as the nickel. This is depressing. Yeah, I, I don't have to document the whole game. I, I just see... Clemson making you're almost there. I, I see Clemson making <laughs> too too many plays. They score to go up twenty eight twenty. Now that wouldn't work with my score prediction. Um, I, I I think Clemson wins twenty eight twenty three. So the Irish cover just barely. I I just think they make one or two more plays, and we get our hearts broken. I will not be betting the Irish spread. I will be betting the Irish money line because I will not be happy by losing. 
by less than six points. Um, I, I until Brian Kelly and Ian Book go out and do it against a Clemson, Georgia, Bama, Ohio State type team, not a ranked Virginia team or ranked Navy, the teams that we've beaten in these last few years. Until it's done against one of those elite teams, you know, Stanford and USC have been down. They haven't been elite. Ian Book hasn't beaten an elite team. Until he does it, I just don't feel comfortable picking him to do it. So I will pick Clemson to win, Irish to cover. The narrative is is that we're still not good enough because Clemson was playing a five-star guy in the mold of Cam Newton with a stronger arm. And for some reason that makes us less in the eyes, but it doesn't change anything for our goals of the season. If I had to pick a game to win, it would be the ACC championship. So I'm not okay with losing this, but this one's better to lose. Yeah. 28, 23. If you're picking us to lose, just stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going 31, 31, 27 Irish. Um, Taking us to cover for sure. Um, Being first in the rankings in the pick, I can afford a loss here, even if I don't even know think it's going to happen. I'm going to take Irish to cover and a 31-27 win. Um, I think I think Donald's right. I, th- I think we do get out to an early lead. I think we keep the lead a little bit, and then Clemson has a drive to win it at the end, and we come up with a late big play defensively. Cal Hamilton interception. Um, and we, we, as Joe O'Leary asked, we move up maybe one spot in the rankings. For the biggest win in 20 years. I... I would uh, – I think you made a good point about, you know, until Book and Kelly prove that they can get one, um, it's very difficult to take them. And I, I, that's something that I used to subscribe to uh, until, uh, you know, until, until you prove me, prove to me that you can do it, I'm not going to ride with it. I, but that's not the case here. I'm going to take Notre Dame to win the game. Um, I, definitely to cover, I'm going to take them to win the game, though. Uh, I'm looking at a – looking at a – 27-24 game um, will be, I think, will be fairly low scoring. I think both these defenses are pretty good. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just got a feeling that, that Notre Dame's going to be able to take this one home. I don't I don't really have a laundry, a laundry list of, of why I think they're going to win the game. But I think they'll do a lot of little things right, hopefully, hopefully control the clock. We'll need a big play on defense at some point in the game. We'll love to see them force a turnover, too. Uh, but I'll take Notre Dame uh, to win the game 27-24. Uh, let's, let's hope, let's hope we've, we've spoken through existence. I also, to to Ian's point, have have the luxury of having it. I'm a, I have a game up on D, so I, I have I have the luxury of uh, if this one doesn't go my way, it's not the end of the world. Slavin, imagine being on the wrong end of the first time Kelly and Book proved they can do it. I haven't I been on the right. I've been on the right yeah. side of one Notre Dame game all year, and that was South Florida. Be happy that I'm picking Clemson here. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'm trying to help us. Maybe there's but, a method to these madness. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe there's a method to these madness. I fucking Let's hope have a so. week, boys. Yes, sir. We'll be putting yeah, out. It should be. It should be a fun. We're run. gonna try to pump out content on the social media this week. I keep asking questions throughout the week. We might get to them. Uh, just kind of randomly. Stay tuned for yeah, some. Maybe 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 a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah. Yes, sir. Some possible I live content on South Saturday. Bend. The boys will all be in South Bend. Yes, sir. So. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. It'll be uh, it'll be it'll be it'll be a fun weekend. Quite for sure. fun. 
All right. Looking forward to it, fellas. Go Irish. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Go Irish. Irish. All right. Talk to you guys later.